0: I'm Seth. And I'm Jonathan. And welcome to No Experts Allowed. You know what we
1: love? The
0: Bible. You know what we don't love? When people use the Bible to scare or hurt others, instead of allowing it to transform them
1: and their communities. So we're trying something different. Two Bible nerds hosting a podcast that isn't about technical details, but is about two simple questions. What's the story? And what's the point?
0: One of us will
1: prepare for the conversation. Let's call them the non-expert. The other will respond to the story as they hear it. We'll call them, and you, the storyteller.
0: So we can show you that you don't need to be an expert to hear the Bible speak to our
1: world. Join us. Let's tell a good story today. Merry Christmas, Seth. Thank you, Jonathan. Well, I know we have to think into the future, but that's a very Christian thing to do. So how, how are you anticipating that your Christmas will have been the day after Christmas when this episode <laughs> oh <my>. drops?
0: <laughs> Here in South Central Pennsylvania, they're calling for a potentially white Christmas. Mm. So I'm excited about that. I haven't had a white Christmas for years.
1: We've had we've actually had some forecasts here in central Virginia as well. Wow. But now it's looking like it's warm enough that it's actually just going to be a wet Christmas, okay. which <laughs> which is far less appealing. Yes. But even more than snow and potentially rain. I hope that you have a wonderful Christmas, Seth, and I hope that by the time this episode drops on the 26th, That your Boxing Day celebrations will be in full swing (laughs) and the party will just keep on going right into (laughs) 2021. (laughs) This is our last episode of 2020. Can you believe it? Oh my
0: gosh, that's wild.
1: It really is. A whole, well, not a whole year, but almost a whole year of asking a very important question What would you do in this particular situation? Would you want to only be able to unwrap other people's presents before they're ready to be opened or only be able to have your own presents unwrapped before you're ready to open them? Okay, this this one is relatively easy for me. I would yeah. rather have
0: my presents be opened before I'm ready to open them.
1: Oh, yeah because I don't I want think, to be
0: the party pooper.
1: I was oh going to say, I think the story of my life is that I would rather be mildly annoyed than have everyone dislike me. So <laughs> exactly. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> that, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of an issue in some circumstances, but it's true enough here that I would definitely just want someone else to unwrap my stuff and just like spoil all my presents rather than just like Impulsively and compulsively go into my family's house on Christmas and just like dive under the tree and just have to open everything except my own presents.
0: <laughs> Especially if you had like younger, younger cousins or younger yeah, members of true. your family, nieces and nephews. Like how how angry with you they would be if you started ripping open all of their presents.
1: I think I would die. I honestly think I would die <laughs> at the hands of my my nieces and nephew. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: wow well that's good And, and honestly maybe there are some maniacal listeners that we have that would pick the other option but this one felt pretty clear too but not only a appropriate holiday theme but also i think as we'll talk about kind of related to the passage that we're going to talk about today so will you go ahead and read this passage from the gospel of luke for us I'd be
0: glad to. I'm interested to see how this connects
1: to our question. Just you wait.
0: (laughs) But this is Luke, the second chapter, verse 22 through 40 from the Common English Bible. When the time came for their ritual cleansing, in accordance with the law from Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord they offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple, so they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, my master, let your servant go in peace, according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared the salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This boy is assigned to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that generates opposition, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshipped God with fasting and prayer, night and day. She approached at the very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had completed everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to their hometown, Nazareth in Galilee, The child grew up and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Hmm, okay, okay. So why the common English Bible this week?
1: Okay, no real depth of insight here. I just knew that we were working with a longer passage. wanted something that I knew was readable, a translation that I trusted. A CEB is a go-to translation for me. And I think that this particular passage has so many characters coming in and out you know with simeon's dialogue in the middle especially there's the possibility of it being complex and the ceb just kind of lays it out there as a straightforward narrative and it's really readable so as you made your way through this passage on the longer side for some of the ones that we we look at on no experts allowed what stood out to you
0: the number of times that i had to say the law of the lord stood out yeah
1: <laughs> I felt you noticing that as you were reading yeah. it <laughs>
0: like uh, as I was reading that I was just thinking like this is this is a way that Luke is really trying to connect what Mary and Joseph are doing with like what's prescribed in the Hebrew Bible mm-hmm. so I don't know if you wanted to say more about that but I, as I was reading that, I was like the law of the Lord the law of the, like yeah. we kept we kept getting it
1: Well, those those first couple of verses that you read are where that phrase is repeated so often is us seeing the author of Luke connecting the rich tradition of Israel to a probably more Gentile or like Jewish adjacent audience Mm -hmm. who might have some familiarity with Jewish practices but honestly might not get the larger context. And so in this translation, one of those verses, I think it's verse 23, is literally a parenthetical. It's like an Mm -hmm. aside to explain certain things about the story to help them make Mm -hmm. sense as to why they were taking Jesus to the temple. And the author uses some euphemisms here, but the primary reason when Jesus was eight days old was to come and have him circumcised, to have the ritual identity marker of the people of Israel have that process and procedure done to their son and so that's that's the the narrative the part of Israel's culture that they wanted to connect to as they're framing this part of the story But yeah you're identifying something really interesting it's like if you didn't get it once yeah. it's a very clear <laughs> connection to the Hebrew Bible to the law and culture of of israel too and it's central to this part of jesus's identity and this part of his story too
0: thanks for shedding just a little bit more light on that i like how luke cleans that up right he doesn't want to talk about he doesn't want to say circumcision
1: maybe yeah he's like okay
0: it's written that every firstborn will be dedicated to the lord
1: right and then it's like later on it's like well mary and joseph brought him to the temple (laughs) because of what was customary under the law just like yeah, I guess it does read a little better than they brought their son to have his foreskin cut off. It does, it just works a little better.
0: Yeah, I can see why. Why maybe you might turn that up. <laughs> and the second thing that struck me is: in, is this passage in relation to our "What would you do in this particular situation?" question? That both Simeon and Anna they kind of give away the pre, the whole present to mary and joseph don't they like they kind of unwrap who jesus is in front of them if i can use the language of our question
1: yeah so a common theme through all of these stories is this idea of unwrapping or as it was the language that was used in the story about simeon the language of revealing or revelation kind of the curtain being pulled back on the realities of the world and i think simeon and anna you're exactly right do some of that revealing themselves. God has revealed something to them. These are people who are included in this story for this very reason. God peels back the curtain to them so then they can peel back the curtain for others. Including, in Simeon's case, especially to even Mary and Joseph, and to Mary in particular. I would even argue that the last couple of verses about Jesus growing up are also a measure of revealing and revelation. I learned this recently, but had never made the connection between the language of development and the idea of unfolding. Hmm. So if you think of how something is enveloped, like an envelope, it's something that's enclosed, and develop is the exact opposite of that. Yeah. Is the pulling open, hmm. you think of developing a photo, taking something that's kind of hidden in film, and pulling it out to bring you the reality of whatever photograph you're working with. So in this short summary of Jesus' childhood, or at least the vast majority of it, you're getting this sense of the type of person Jesus was unfolding to be. Like, at more and more as he grew up, more became known about him. He became strong. He was filled with wisdom. God's favor was on him. There's this repetition of all these character traits that indicate, oh my goodness, look at who this child is becoming. Hmm. And if you take this lens of revealing and revelation, and that becomes the primary piece of why this encounter in the temple, these encounters happened, you begin to get a sense of, again, some foundations for what Jesus's ministry would look like, right? Because in as yeah. we've talked about before, in the genre yeah. of the Gospels, birth narratives are not just biographical details. They are intended to set the foundation for the story that's coming. And so for Simeon to say all that Simeon says about Jesus being a light for revelation to the world, to the Gentiles, and to God's people, Israel, and say... That Jesus is going to be the sign of many who are rising and falling in Israel. And and will also not only get to the heart of the conflict going on in our community, but it's going to get to your heart too. Be a sword that pierces your innermost being. And even Anna experiences this revelation that seeing something about this baby, this eight-day-old baby, helped her understand with more clarity what the redemption of Jerusalem was going to look like. And offered a word of hope to those who were anticipating that with her. And so there's this foundation to Luke's gospel that places all of those personal realities, all of those community realities, all of those political realities, all of it is seen because of this one child. Hmm. And that creates then the foundation for how those things are seen because of jesus's ministry later on too so i love these stories the passage of jesus's encounter with simeon as a baby uh is one of my favorites i don't think anna gets enough attention and especially when you portray simeon and anna next to each other those parallels are really interesting yeah I think Simeon would have been really overwhelming to Mary and Joseph too because he just yeah. like walks up to him, takes their baby, and starts like <laughs> saying all these amazing things about him. Seeing this passage not only in light of the entire Gospel of Luke, but in light of this idea of revelation, like what is what is prophetic, what is revealing about Jesus's arrival to earth helps kind of shed some light on what's going on in this passage too. Even as we think about this story of Jesus's childhood as a revealing of sorts too, a story of a child coming into his own. And I don't know, does does any of that resonate with you in particular? I think this idea of these early childhood narratives
0: about Jesus and the way that they connect to Luke's larger narrative. And I think the same is true in Matthew's work something that i haven't really considered to be honest like i think in my head these are like i i bifurcate these like okay we have in one section we have the nativity and then like we have jesus like prophetic itinerant ministry later as an adult right but what they're doing is setting something up and i think that you make an important point that it's it's his his development his unfolding his his kind of growth as a child that then sets up his ministry to be possible right as as an adult but like i said i don't know really think that i've thought that much about jesus as a child like it's interesting for me in general to think about like kind of jesus is like in this in-between phase like i think we get him as an infinite christmas and then we get him as an adult yeah and what's like the rest of the narrative but it's like oh somewhere in between jesus is like a teenager yeah it's like (laughs) what's that like
1: Yeah, and and I think sometimes our theology really gets in our way of our imagination when we consider Mm -hmm. teenage Jesus, too. It's like, you know, if you have a theology of of Jesus that says, well, Jesus was perfect and he never sinned and he never did anything wrong, you know, even if that was the case, I can't imagine that that (laughs) meant that Jesus' household was free of tension, right? (laughs) That Mary's like trying to get him, catch him in the act or something, but, like, it's just, like, so frustrated. And you got to imagine that having Jesus as a brother would be real annoying, too, because it would never be his fault for anything that went wrong. And, again, I'm making a theological assumption uh, that everyone might not, may not hold to, but if that happened to be the case for you, you, you kind of lose out on some of the other questions that you could ask. Like, what was it like for Jesus to have a growth spurt? or (laughs) or, like quite frankly to discover to discover more about his body and to think about god incarnate going through puberty yeah exactly (laughs) and and like just you know talk about having empathy with humanity and discovering more what it like what it's like to suffer as a human being the changes that you endure in that time (laughs) are pretty significant not the most significant but significant and i don't know It's those kind of questions that are just kind of humorous and entertaining and are evidence of an imagination that allows us to creatively engage with the scripture too. And at the same time, I almost think that because of the structure of the gospels and how all the stories are included to talk about a person who has already done some things and to provide a foundation, we might get caught up in some of those details too, thinking about like the logistics of the questions of well if jesus never sinned how did he xyz or you know if 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 jesus is god and knew everything did he know that he was going to die did he know the miracles he was going to perform you know and we get caught up in that rather than being lost in being enveloped in so to speak <laughs> the narrative of the gospel as it unfolds and it develops it's, it's one of those both ands where I think having imagination can both be a gift and a hindrance to our full engagement with all this.
0: Yeah, it's like to both ask questions and then to kind of see the limits of the questions that we can ask, right? Like some of those questions I think are they're fun to talk about, but ultimately kind of unanswerable, at least from the text, right? It's like yeah. so, much, so much projection that we have to do. Right. I love the line right after Simeon does his poem poem of praise then jesus father and mother were amazed by what was said about him especially after we talked the other week about mary singing an entire song about this but i guess it's different when mary and joseph know something about who jesus is and then to see others recognize it
1: especially when it's a strange old man walking up to you in the temple too it's almost like it's taking the private or family oriented conversation and pulling it out into the public into the world yeah and and again kind of a a a revealing moment right that's like this thing that was maybe held within their family is now opening up for Simeon and for anna and those that are around them and in their community and Hmm. and that and that transitions me to more thoughts about application for us we've journeyed our way through this season of Advent this year, this longing and anticipation for God to arrive in the world, to make things, make things right. And we are now in the season of Christmas and celebrating, you know, for the next couple of weeks, the, the arrival of God in Christ. And this is a pretty broad question, and so I'm pretty open to where this, where this will take us. But thinking about that moment of revelation and thinking about our time and our situation today, I think my question really is, what is Jesus' birth, you know, God's coming to earth, this event that we're celebrating right now, what does that reveal to us today that can change us? and make us maybe make us more like God or unlock something new about the divine image in us too.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Okay, You said to yourself, this is a big question.
1: It is. And it's like, I think we can both acknowledge that the, <laughs> the answers, the answers are many. Yeah. And, and I'm curious to know what's standing out to you right now as a way that the incarnation of God inspires you to think differently about your life in 2020 and soon to be gratefully 2021 <laughs> <laughs> what always
0: strikes me about the nativity narratives and especially um, in our conversation today is the role of children and even like the role of teenagers Or thinking about jesus as a teenager maybe i should say right because i think uh, I just wonder, like, how often we look at babies who who aren't our own babies and think, "Wow, that this is what God looked like, right?" as a as mm-hmm. a newborn. Man, and even with teen, like, stubborn teenagers who like play Fortnite all the time, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> right? <laughs> Trying to think of like, what, like what like thirteen year olds like to do, right? Yeah. But like to to look at teenagers in their kind of awkward years in middle school and be like, "Oh, this is this is what God looked like too." It just reminds me again and again how vast the divine image is, like even when I want to even if I limit it like unintentionally, right? Like I don't I want to include babies and toddlers and kids and teenagers. And young adults, but, like, it's easy to somehow kind of forget some of those groups yeah. that I don't
1: operate in. Right. One of the things that my supervisor for CPE this fall has shared with me a couple times, that I think and I hope will forever stick with me, is this idea that to be Christian, to worship the God of Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, God who took on flesh in one of the most fragile ways possible, to be Christian is to open ourselves up so that our hearts can be broken with God's heart.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: And so when you think about the ways that we talk about the divine image, there is an aspect of that that rightfully claims that each person is, as the psalmist writes, uniquely and wonderfully made and knit together in a way that is valuable and worthy just based on the fact that they are in existence. And at the same time, being in the image of God is a responsibility of sorts to carry out the ways of God throughout the world. And rather than getting caught up in law, being legalistic, I'm actually wondering what it means to be like God in the world. You know, Hmm. That's, that's what Jesus did, right? Was Jesus became God in the world. And we now have that opportunity to have our eyes opened, to have things revealed to us in a way that helps us see what makes God hurt, what makes God smile, how God offers nurturing care, how God acts and enables us to act for justice in the world. Just thinking about how Jesus is doing what we are supposed to do to be Mm. Jesus' hands and feet as the church, and to continue the work of the incarnation to make God known throughout God's creation, throughout God's world. Mm. But I'm thinking of that in relationship to what you were saying about about children, too, is that reminder that no one has a monopoly on the image of God. And I want to claim to understand it more than I do I especially want to claim to understand when someone is not living into the the image of God (laughs) in them. But I think that is such a central part of my own theology that thinking about the one who came as the child of is the image of God.
0: Hmm, Yeah.
1: Who became real and an image that became developed in the world before humanity's very eyes. There's something about following in those footsteps that seems really profound to me. Uh, this this Christmas in particular.
0: Yeah, I always like that song, Jesus Loves the Little Children. But I wonder if it loses the somehow the fact that Jesus was a little child. Hmm. Right? Like, it's deeper than Jesus just loves the little children. Like, yeah, yeah that's true. And, and we won't talk
1: about the racial classifications in that song that are kind yeah, of problematic, true.
0: but... <laughs> <laughs> true. It can even miss out on a on a huge part of the story, right? I feel like I I think I've said this before, but it just always shows to me the the breadth and the depth of God's identification with not just humankind, but the whole world, right? Hmm. Mean, like certainly humankind, but I think like one of the ways that we can think about it is that God comes both in human flesh but also like clothed in matter right again in an identification with the whole world whenever i think about the divine image it's like how how expansive and broad can i possibly make it is always the question i have to keep asking and like who am i leaving out that's my question i'm left with that's not just for this podcast this week this sunday Hmm. Like who, who, am I, who am I leaving out who am I not seeing the image of God in do you have any final thoughts or should we pray
1: I think we're ready to pray I would love that great let's pray God of children you came and walked among us but before you could walk you crawled before you crawled you were carried by human arms your life entirely dependent on on the ones you came to save. Help us to fully embrace your image, to know that we are valuable and to know that we are on mission with you. Mindful of the many names by which your children cry out to you from all over the world, I pray in the name of the great revealer, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. To our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and tune in for our next episode. Seth, what story will we tell for our first episode of 2021?
0: For our first episode of this next year, we have honestly a weird story. It's the very end of John's Gospel. But until then, leave us a review and find us on Twitter and Instagram to continue the conversation. Thanks for walking us through that story,
1: Jonathan. Thanks for helping me tell it.